listening to The 30 Podcast. Here's your host, Jazz Kang. Welcome to another episode of The 30 Podcast. I'm your host, Jazz Kang, brought to you, of course, by the fine folks at silverscreenandroll.com. I haven't been around in a couple of weeks, I'll be honest. It's been pretty nice being on vacation, something Harrison doesn't get to do, so it's my turn to come out of the bullpen and host this one. Uh, this time of the year right now, not really what you wanted, because you'd hope they were in the Western Conference Finals, but it's been the draft drama. Uh, ended up with the fourth overall pick. If you haven't heard the recent podcast with Anthony and Jacob, they have everything covered there. Uh, we're going to touch on that a little bit today. Don't forget as well to subscribe to our podcast network. You can check us out on Google Play, Stitcher, iTunes, you name it, we are there. And of course, go to silverscreenandroll.com. Would you? We got you covered for everything Lakers. On with me today, a woman who is also a fellow Game of Thrones fan, which is also good. We're going to touch on that too, you know, with the final episode coming up this weekend. We are going to talk about that. But it is Miss Sasha Ashal. How are you doing? Absolutely. A woman. I'm doing wonderful. What, would you prefer I call you a girl? No. <laughs> no it's just, there's a woman on the air, everyone. And it is moi. Yeah, that is. It is. And Lakers fan. How happy were you on, uh, how happy were you on Tuesday that you saw, you saw they had jumped up to four? What was your first reaction? Oh, I was stoked. I went to, I saw it on Twitter first because I was at work all day. And I pull. I was on break. Pulled out my phone, and I had just saw like Darius and Laker film room, and like all my friends posting on Twitter, like "Oh my god!" And it was right after the. I think it was like right after we knew that we were going to be in the top four, and I was like, "Kyle Kuzma, lucky charm." That's what I said. I predicted this. Hmm. He is lucky charm, though. He is our lucky charm. We can't get rid of him. Did, did you, once you had seen the fact that they jumped, were you like, oh my God, this is it. They're going to get Zion. Like, this is happening. No. <laughs> you, still, you, still, you still thought it was going to, you're like, hey, they jumped. I'm cool with that. Yeah, I was like, it's not going to be Zion. I really knew that the Knicks weren't going to get Zion. I knew that was going to happen because there was just too much hype. It just couldn't happen. But I also knew that, like, we just don't have the karma for that. Mm, that's fair. I, uh, especially when this season, I, I've been coining it the season from hell all along. Uh, I, I, was still, I, was, <laughs> yeah. I was happy that they jumped, but at the same time, I was like, you know what? The, the, they're not going to get number one. But, I mean, it's, it's a bit of good news in what has really been a shitstorm, let's be honest. Yeah, and it doesn't mean a whole... I mean, people have been saying, like, kind of wondering what it means, really, and... I think it just means that our pick sounds better because I'm not actually sure between like four and like ten-ish, like how much difference there is really. It seems like one is like 20,000 steps above two and three, and then two and three are the same basically-ish, and then four plus is like not that big of a deal. This is my completely... Uh, not completely uninformed, but let's call it the everyman opinion. Yeah, I don't I'm know a, a ton well, of information about this. but th This is the time of the year that everyone becomes uh, NBA draft <laughs> prospect expert because they watch a 30-second highlight reel of Brandon Clark of Gonzaga, and they're like, wow, he's really good. <laughs> like, dude, you, you're just watching his best points. What are you talking about? I read the Ringer NBA draft guide. Kevin O'Connor has made me the smartest person on draft now. Now I know everything. Yeah, so that makes you the second smartest because you read it. That's yes, it now, right? <laughs> exactly. Well, Actually, even smarter because he read it, but he didn't have another perspective on it. So I have another perspective on it, and okay. I've read it. So. Okay. Well, we're going to call you the draft guru now, then, <laughs> Sasha. Is that okay? 
Absolutely. I'll accept that. Make sure you it's the draft expert S. Expert S. Okay. Okay. We'll include that in the Khaleesi of the draft, draft experts. That's what we'll go with. Okay. <laughs> I actually don't want any comps to Danny anymore. <laughs> Not after last weekend. No, you don't. Right? I prefer Sansa comps. <laughs> <laughs> the one who grew from being the shy, timid, uh, over naive one to being the know-it-all draft guru. There you go. Draft guru S. That's what we're going to call I it. I like to think I did go from being an idiot to being the smartest person in the room. I think you still stayed out here the first thing that you said, but that's okay. We'll discuss that topic another. <laughs> we'll discuss that topic another day. Uh, when you when you look at, I mean, obviously there's been enough mock drafts done. Is there any of the any of the eligible guys that are kind of piquing your interest that you think, hey, this will be a good fit for this team? Yeah, there actually was. I was looking through the draft, the rigor draft guide, and I really think. I DeAndre Hunter's like profile just like really like stood out to me. He seems a little bit similar to Josh Hart in some ways. Taller. He's taller and his wingspan is like pretty good, but he's like a 3 and D guy who's like really solid physically and hard to get past and maybe he even has like better defensive instincts than Josh Hart overall. And that's something that we really need. Like I would love like a a def- like a good defensive pairing with LeBron, someone who could, if we were to keep our pick, of course, like if we were to keep it and not trade it, I think he would be like a cool guy to have around because of his defensive ability already. And of course, there's a learning curve in the league, but you know, it's good to it's good to start with defense. That's a hard thing to learn along the way. And if he can be reliable on that end of the floor, coming in somewhat anyway, that would be a huge plus for him. Yeah, the Lakers' defense stank last year. Let's be honest. I mean, they were they were good for that stretch where they went on that run and they were up to the in the top ten, and obviously was everything kind of caved in around them that they dropped down to a bottom, uh, bottom five six team in the league. So I, I think DeAndre Hunter is a good fit. I think they do need some size up front. Um, mm-hmm. But if you're looking at like guys like Darius Garland, guys like uh, Cam Reddish that people are mentioning, Kobe White, the Lakers have this. Yeah. You don't want it to, You don't want somebody coming in to take Lonzo's development time because Lonzo, I think, is still has another gear he's going to reach. And on top of that, you got you got wing scorers like Kuzma and Ingram, and you have LeBron. So I think get somebody who's going to bring a different dynamic to the team, like a rim protector, like a big man who might be able to get some easy points down low. Absolutely, I think that a lot of like the the words that come out from those guys it's like playmaking and like we just did that we just did the thing where you have a billion playmakers all trying to get ball time and we don't need that no no we, we've seen enough of that the Rondo, Rondo Lance Stevenson experiment ended thank goodness it was a complete fail we don't want to see any more of that stuff it was horrible and like when I see three and D good spot up and great cutting and relocating which are the words that Kevin O'Connor wrote about DeAndre Hunter I see those words and I'm like yes <laughs> that that is what we want that's what we that's need. what we want they need but the only my only my only scary point about DeAndre Hunter he's not that great of a shooter uh, I mean, people could say Ben Simmons wasn't a great shooter. He was number one overall. But the Lakers do desperately need to find somebody who can consistently hit a three-point shot open in the corner. I have hopes that, I mean, we saw from Josh Hart this season, who had been a fairly reliable like spot-up three-shooter in the past, that without LeBron on the court, he struggled. So I would be, 
I think that having LeBron <laughs> as the primary guy who's going to be playmaking for you and passing for you, that you probably have a better chance at being a good spot-up shooter than yeah. if you didn't. And his three-point percentage, it says his three-point percentage here is 48.3%, which is pretty wild. Yeah, pretty easy when it's only eight feet behind the hoop like it is in the NCAA. Change the line already, man. It's Change true. it back to it's a pro line, right? <laughs> Change the line. It's kind of dumb, isn't it? It is. It doesn't it's like, really it's make easy. any sense. It's easy. I can hit that shot on my tippy toes. I mean, not to say I do it with pressure, <laughs> but I might go one out of ten, but I'll hit one shot off my tippy toes from there, right? Shooting from the college three-point line for me is like them shooting from half court. <laughs> I'm like, I got to heave. But if we, I'm going for a heave. But if we chuck, if we move the hoop down nine feet like it was in elementary school, then you'd be hit, you'd be like Larry Bird out there. Oh, absolutely. I'd be smoking dudes. <laughs> I'd be smoking those 12-year-old dudes. Yeah, you'd be like the 18-year-old the <laughs> person who goes to the playground and, and schools 11, 12-year-olds and comes <laughs> home and tells everybody how good they are, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, okay. One thing I want to touch on, there's been some reports as well. Uh, I'm sure you've heard them that the Pelicans still might not be interested in making a deal with the Lakers, even if a package is centered, and I'm just hypothetically saying this, uh, the number four pick, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, whose trade value a little bit lower than it should be right now just because of the illness he had. Hopefully he makes a full recovery, uh, that first and foremost. But mm -hmm. uh, Kyle Kuzma, they can have their pick of two, maybe all three of those guys, and the fourth overall pick. What is the problem with Miss Gail Benson? Why don't they want to deal with the Lakers? Where, where do you think this angst for, for the Los Angeles Lakers comes from? In a word, bitterness. In a few words, I think that like they just they just are not making decisions that are in their interest in, but rather in the interest of spite. And damn, this is some heat coming out right now. I think they're being spiteful. <laughs> <laughs> let it out. Let it all out. Let it all out, Sasha. I think they might be being spiteful. I I actually think that um, it. They're, they don't have a history of being a really well-run uh, organization. Um, neither do we, but they definitely don't. Like, that doesn't negate that they don't. Um, so I kind of think that they're just, like, they really don't want to trade with the Lakers because it, it, there was, like, a really bad taste in their mouth from trade deadline happenings. And they really just don't, like, want to put Anthony Davis in a place where he wants to be. That makes sense because I, I don't know how how open I, I you know again rumors are flying a plenty right now and it's not even focused on what's happening on the actual court because of the draft coming up and free agency obviously just around the corner I don't know how open Anthony Davis is going to be to staying there I, you know naturally it'll pique your interest with having a guy like Zion being your teammate and you you know you're still going to be a couple of years away from contending but if he if he does bounce from there and, and Shams was saying that. Uh, of the athletic that you know Anthony Davis still hasn't really changed his stance on that I, I think it would just be dumb for the Pelicans to hang on to him throughout the summer I think now is the time to maximize it if you look at a team like the Knicks which I'm hoping he doesn't go to but they give up a number three Kevin Knox I don't think that's a better deal than what the Lakers can give they have to pull the trigger now because otherwise you're going to get to what are you going to wait till the trade deadline in February and be like other teams are going to start lowballing you then yeah, they really have a small window. I mean, they waited, so now they have a very small window to make this trade and make it count. I don't know if Anthony Davis is going to stay. I mean, how long? He's been there for six years, right? Yeah, seven. 
Seven. Like, I think he might be scarred at this point. I don't know if there's any repairing this this relationship. It kind of reminds me of Kawhi and the Spurs in that way. That it just sort of feels like there's no repairing this. And he's he just wants to move on. I, I think even if Zion is there, I mean, my stance on this is like, I hope that Zion doesn't just waste away. I mean, that would be horrible. Yeah, that's always the danger of going to a team like New Orleans, though. And, I, and again, I'm not bashing the city. I'm not saying anything bad about New Orleans. I don't want to say I love New Orleans because I've never been, so I would just be lying at that point. <laughs> <laughs> but um, if you look at if you look at the the Pelicans team as a whole and as a franchise, they haven't done nothing. They've won one playoff round. Uh, you know, that was when they swept the lowly Blazers. Uh, you know, they haven't really made any any impact on the league. And you look at that, it's true. Like a guy like Zion. He, he could change the face of the game, and he's going to come in. He's overhyped. Uh, not, I don't want to say overhyped. He's as hyped as, as a guy like, you know, maybe a notch below LeBron when he was coming in. People are expecting big things from him. He's got some support system there, even if Anthony Davis isn't around with uh, Drew Holiday. But it's like, what good have the Pelicans ever produced other than getting lucky in who they drafted? Yeah, I... Nothing. I mean, truly nothing. This is why I really felt like any arguments around Anthony Davis... Be like not waiting long enough or like being spoiled or like whatever about wanting to move teams here. I'm like, guys, he's waited. So how long do you have to wait? How is seven years not enough? Seven years of his life and he's entering his prime right now. Like, let him make a choice right now. How can you say that seven years is not enough for the Pelicans to have to prove themselves worthy of having a guy like Anthony Davis on their team? Yeah, you can't at this point. And you're, and you're right. He's, he's given everything he could to take, take them to new heights. Uh, Dell Demps, one of the worst NBA GMs, uh, right up there with Billy King of the, of the last 10, 15 years, uh, couldn't make a move, the right move, if it, could, it was sitting right in front of his face. And I think that's the problem with uh, the, the the way people look at it, like, oh, you know, it's a small market. Teams don't have a chance to survive. Last I checked, San Antonio is not a big market. They're just ran well. You know, you look at a team like Portland this year in the Western Conference Finals. They haven't, they, they're not a big market. You know, a guy like Damian Lillard has chose to stay there. He's, he's a perennial all-star. And you're like, come on, like, what, don't blame the market size. If you are a good, competent organization, people will want to stay with you. Bucks. Bucks, Hello. yeah, yeah, you got, yeah. That's right, that's right. You're and you're on the flip Bucks. side, the Lakers, the Knicks, they're horrible. They stink. Yeah, they stink. <laughs> they Nobody. Suck. And then that's a that's a that's a messed up part. Is people For think a while. that who has who has wanted to sign with the Lakers or Knicks other than LeBron last season? And you remember the, the you know seven years before that, nobody came to LA, and the talk was always somebody wants to play with Kobe. Nobody came. Then it was. Uh, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, they didn't come the first time around. So uh, you have to look at the organization as a whole. If you And, you know, there's a hot rumor is the Clippers are an, an option, an attractive option to many of the top free agents. And it's because they're starting to run things right, which is, whereas, you know, 12, 13, 14 years ago during the Sterling era, nobody wanted to touch the Clippers with a 10-foot pole. I was just about to say that. Like, you literally took the words out of my brain. I was just about to say the Clippers – are being talked about so much, and who knows what will actually pan out this summer. You know what I mean? Like, they seem like a great option for any free agent, but we don't know what's going to happen. We just have to wait and see, like everyone else. 
But the only reason people are talking about that is because they just got good because now they're being well run and they have been making these amazing moves. It has, it's not an accident. It's not just because they're in LA. They sucked for a while. <laughs> they sucked for a long, long, long time. A right? while. <laughs> and it's it's combined with like the Lakers sucking now too, but it just shows that the dynamic between market and your organization it's it's a two-part thing it it's not just market and so like the way that the pelicans are running things the way that they're handling this by like trying to teach Anthony davis a lesson and trying to teach free agents in small markets a lesson or whatever that they're not gonna be able to go where they want to go that that is messed up to me Honestly, if I was Anthony Davis, I'd be like, I want out just to get out because of your attitude, frankly, just from their attitude about it. Yeah, you're, you're right. They're I not going to, they're not showing anything. It's, and, and if you look at other big name free agents, do people really want to sign with an organization like this? It's not like LeBron was in a different boat when he left Cleveland after the second time. I don't think he even wanted to go like truly if it came down to just deciding on the city. I, I think it, it, to him, the burning desire was I have to bring Cleveland a championship, which he did, obviously, in uh, in 2016. But for him at that point, it's like, you did what you had to do. You're free to go. It's not like the Pelicans have been close. They haven't been to the Western Conference Finals. They haven't been to a final. They haven't surrounded Anthony Davis with all-star after all-star. They came close with Boogie Cousins. But now you look at it, and you're like, why Why would anybody want to reward mediocrity? And I think that's what it comes down to, especially in a, in a, in a league like this, that these guys have a short window to make their money and win championships. So go out there and do what's best for you. Yeah, and they just, their attitude is stunk. Yep. And I think a lot of people, there's like a, there's definitely a rift in like the NBA fan base right now about like how much athletes should have, how much like power star athletes should have over where they get to play and how there's no like team loyalty anymore. And you'll definitely hear different opinions about this. Mine is that, but, like, teams should earn loyalty just as much as players should. And uh, if teams get to have no loyalty to players like Blake Griffin, then players should have no loyalty to teams that haven't done anything for them. Exactly. You hit the nail it's on the head It's not even like that. the Pelicans did something for him. It's They've done nothing for him. So, like, I don't know. Except for give him money. And, apparent, and for a lot of people, that means that NBA players should just shut up and, you know, do their job because they're getting paid money. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that, and that, well, it's like it's the same thing with us. And I always say that. it's like when I was younger, you know, I'm talking 12, 13, 14 years old. You look at pro sports, you were like, wow, I can't believe that person left. And I used to always side with the organization. And then I got older. I'm like, dude, if somebody offered me more money to go and I was living in a small town and somebody's like, hey, you can come to Los Angeles, have a have a better, uh, better paying job. And uh, or even if you're paying me a little bit less and you have an opportunity to live in Los Angeles, it's like, yeah, I'm out. I'm going to go do what's best for me. And so we can't expect the players to have loyalty because, as you mentioned, with Blake Griffin, it's not like, you know, they told him they want to be a Clipper for life. They shipped him off right away. And as soon as Anthony Davis, I don't know how much we can say that the Pelicans, this has gone off the rails, but (laughs) one thing to say, the Pelicans reaction to Anthony Davis wanting to leave was kind of, I don't know, it just felt like appalling to me, the way that they handled it. I mean, the Lakers botched it royally, of course, but 
the pelican side of it was also just like really unsavory. No, you're right. Yeah, you you that that is absolutely true. The way they treated him, playing him 20 minutes a game when he was fully healthy, telling him to sit games, it was it was ridiculous. Uh, you mentioned the Lakers, which is what this podcast should be focusing on. But the but the Lakers are. Uh, <laughs> you mentioned it. They they screwed it up royally. Uh, we're gonna get back into that. We're gonna take a short break. All right, and we are back. We're talking about how much of a mess the Lakers are. <laughs> they really have been. They've been. They've been. They've been a complete sideshow for. Ever since Jeannie Buss took over, I'm going to come out and say it. I appreciate what she does for the community. I appreciate a lot of the good that she does, uh, especially for youth here in Los Angeles. But overall, when you look at it, not a very good team owner. Hasn't done a great job with it. A legacy kid. I'm going to call the spade a spade. She's a legacy kid, uh, earning earning everything that she had really off her father. Uh, Jim Buss did the same thing. He was terrible when he, when he was running the show. Uh, Sasha, when you look at all this drama that's been around the Lakers, We've, you know, of this podcast network, we talked enough about Frank Vogel. We talked enough about the Rambus or Rambai, as you as, as you said, right? <laughs> uh, how that combination hasn't really worked out. What do you think, really, in your opinion, what do you think needs to change in Lakerland to, to kind of start writing the ship? Uh, man, that's a tough question. It's hard because, you know, you want to assume. We're going to just assume we're moving forward with the people we have, right? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of tough. It's tough to say, like, what needs to happen for us to be successful when, like, it really feels like in a, a complete turnover of, like, our staff <laughs> is necessary. But I'm willing. I mean, before the whole coaching debacle, I was, like, totally willing to give uh, Rob Palenka and to a lesser extent, Kurt Rambis, just because I don't really know much about what he's doing. It's hard to judge, like, how much he should be involved, because I don't know how much he is currently involved. But I was willing to give Rob Palenka a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, in the sense that he could be good at this. Like, I don't know. It's hard to know. He is a first-time... GM slash president of basketball operations. What I would love, this just highlighted it for me. What I would love for from the Lakers is for them to tell me what the hell is going on. <laughs> that would be nice. That would be nice. I don't know if you saw Palenka's comments after the draft lottery, and he just kept mentioning, we owe it to our fans. We've got to write the ship for our fans, and our fans pay a lot of money, and our fans and our fan base. It's like, Dude, did you not think about this stuff last year when you guys were a circus? I don't know what the hell they were thinking during that time. Lip service. Yep. Lip service. Rob Palinka is the king of lip service. I feel like I the first thing they could do for me is get Jeannie Bus in front of a microphone. That or is right. Rob Palinka. I would just love to hear from either of them and for them to just be honest. But more Jeannie Bus because I just don't feel Rob Palinka is capable of getting in front of a microphone and actually delivering a product that would be helpful and informative for me. So You're just going to talk in cliches and twist your things around. But what is this guy talking about at the time he was mentioning that bringing in guys like Mike Muscala and, and then we're like Julian Edelman, like what? What are you talking about? Yeah, sometimes when he says things, it's like he knows as much about basketball as me. <laughs> and that's like, why you're co-hosting this podcast. <laughs> I'd like to read this passage from Moby Dick. <laughs> yeah, 
he is he is Moby Dick. That's what that's what he is. Oh my god! One. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you you look at. I, it's funny to me, like when they were doing the coaching search before they started with all that. I'm like, all right, they'll you know give him a chance here. I thought the same thing as you, and I'm like, let them let them kind of make their moves and and decide. Maybe they had some distraction and some beef between Palenka and Magic, and it wasn't going to work. And then you saw them go through it, the Tai Lu debacle, and they ended up on Vogel. And I'm not I'm not going to slam Frank Vogel. I think he's he did a really good job with limited talent in Indiana. Uh, not as good of a job with, with the Magic, but that was a losing situation for any coach that came in. But, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how much LeBron buys into this system coming up next year. Yeah, I, I, I hope that LeBron is able to give um, the coaching staff a chance. Mostly I think he will because if he doesn't, what are they going to do? Yeah. <laughs> like, like he doesn't really super duper have a choice right now. Like he can he can he's going to have to just make the decision to not waste the next 3 years and I don't think he wants to waste the next 3 years. So I think he's going to do all he can to buy in. He had a unique situation this past season to where they clearly weren't going to go far at a certain point. So he had no real reason to buy in to Luke Walton's system because they weren't going to make it. Yeah. Like they just weren't, and that became clear. There was not; they weren't going to win, so it didn't really matter at a certain point. And this year, it's like we are looking for a championship. That's how I feel. We're looking for a championship. That's how LeBron should be feeling. And if he doesn't want to just waste the next three years of his career, which I don't think he does, he'll buy in. Okay, a question for you. With the way they're constructed right now, we're looking at the roster as is. You have your you have the guys that are coming back. And you're looking at the free agency. Now, Brian Windhorst, who's pretty well plugged in, uh, ESPN's Brian Windhorst, he said, you know what, Kyrie's leaving the door open to coming to L.A. If out of the big four free agents, and I'm talking about Kyrie, Clay, uh, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, who do you think is, has the highest chance of ending up with the Lakers? My, uh, all my zero sources tell me that my source is just listening to uh, the Laker Film Room podcast, and that has convinced me, and I'm now emotionally attached to the idea of Kawhi Leonard being on the Lakers next year. Uh, so that's, I'm going to say Kawhi Leonard. I think there's a, I think we have a shot at Kyrie. I think a lot of teams have a shot at Kyrie. I don't think Kyrie has made a decision yet. That's my impression. And he seems like a really changeable person and unpredictable, so, uh, the idea that everyone's like, he's going to the Knicks, definitely. That seems kind of silly to me. I think he probably has his eye on a few different places. Again, this is totally uninformed. I'm just a girl with a laptop, a woman with a laptop. So, yeah, I don't know. I hope we get Katie. Katie and Clay seem like the most unlikely. Hey, Sasha, way to sell yourself short there, right? Don't <laughs> <laughs> Listen to my opinions, everyone. <laughs> That's what it is. That's what a podcast is. It's just your opinion. No worries. You know what? I, I, I agree with you. I, I, there's a chance Kyrie Irving might just sign with the New Orleans Pelicans. I don't, you know what I mean? We don't know what the, we don't know what the heck that guy is thinking most of the time. But he, to me, I think there's a higher percentage of landing Kyrie than there is Kawhi. Because what I'm hearing from people I know in Toronto is that Kawhi is – really down the middle between staying in Toronto, and I think it a lot of it has to do with how they end up doing in the Eastern Conference Final. I think if they make the final and make a run at it, I do think he ends up staying. 
Um, if they end up losing to Milwaukee and you get you know an embarrassing fashion, although game one was was really really close and it was it was down to the wire, uh, there is a chance he might come to the. I, and I do think it'll be the Clippers over the Lakers. I I just don't think Kawhi wants to play with LeBron. Okay, I have a very different perspective on this about the LeBron thing. Although, like I said, uh, I this is just my opinion and like maybe something that I made up for Kawhi. So I've been working on, I've been looking at Kawhi footage a lot in the past month, like a lot. And my impression is that his playmaking ability for others is the one part of his game his offensive game at least, that um, isn't fully developed yet. And he is also just entering his prime. Like, he's in his prime, entering his prime. And the way that he plays, his, like, technical abilities and his just, like, real focus, he has, like, a real focus and a real, like, self-improvement vibe, which is also a LeBron vibe, the self-improvement vibe. So I think they would they would fit together in that way that they both have a similar outlook on the on the game in terms of like self improvement, and if playmaking and passing is one of the things that Kawhi needs to work on in order to better his game, I don't think he's done yet. LeBron is the best guy in the league. Mm-hmm. You want to go play with LeBron? There's a unique situation here, a unique opportunity for Kawhi. Where he can go play with the person who is literally the best in the league at the thing that he's not as good at yet or hasn't perfected about his game while that person is exiting their prime and he's entering his prime. So there's a real like mentorship opportunity there as well as the opportunity to sort of take over, be like the 1B where LeBron is like the 1A. And have, like, a really, uh, uh, what's the word? Like, have a, they're just, I could see the harmony there. Hmm, that's an interesting take, because I I do agree with you that he, his playmaking is, is the the least, I mean, he has very minimal holes in his game, but I do agree with you, because I was watching, especially in Game 7, uh, and that might be because none of his teammates, they were t- treating the the ball like it was a hand grenade, like a live hand grenade. They were like, <laughs> nobody wanted to shoot it. And you were, I was watching that, and he shot 41 shots or, or something, 30 some odd shots, or he had 41 points. But um, yeah, that's one part of his game that he lacks. And I'm just saying this, again, from where you're saying it, is I don't know Kawhi, I don't, I don't know this to be factual, but just the way his attitude is, is like, I don't want to take what would seem like the easy way out. And I, I, I agree mm-hmm. that LeBron, the way his, his playmaking is, he's fantastic. He's great. And Kawhi could learn a lot from him. And, and LeBron's better years, best years are behind him. And whereas Kawhi's hitting his, his, hitting his peak right now. That, I'm just saying that stri- strictly off of feeling. But I think that out of, out of the, the four that we talked about, those, those two would be one and two for me as well. I'd go, I'd go Kyrie one and, and Kawhi two in terms of opportunity and, and chances that the Lakers have to, to land one of the big fish. So you think, just to, just to clarify, because there's an, an underlying assumption from what you just said. Sure. That the Kawhi joining the Lakers would be considered the easy way. And I 
I would have to disagree based on the absolute clusterfuck that is the Lakers right now. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay, that's fair. That's fair. Um, I think that would be a risk for him. Like, I think people would be like, that's a risky move. Okay, let me ask Let me ask you this then. Because if you look at the Lakers, the Clippers have some nice young pieces, no doubt. Lou Williams, awesome off the bench. No no one, no one on the near the level of LeBron James, right? I mean, that's, yeah. just, that's just factual. But yeah. if you look at, I still think the Lakers are one superstar and two solid, I don't want to say depth guys, but maybe one depth and one sixth, seventh, eighth man that can come in and be a 3 and D guy away from being a top three team in the West. So would that not I think, be easy? Sorry, go on. So I know I was just saying, so would that not be easy? You were going to answer, so I, that was just kind of... <laughs> um, I think that it's a risk in terms of you have to assume that the Lakers are capable of doing what you said. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. And again, I completely forgot that. And that's part of it. But Kurt and Linda Rambis are going to be recruiting free agents. I forgot about that, that the Rambises ran by are going to be sitting there telling free agents to come to L.A. Yeah, it's, I mean, in terms of, like, trades, we've seen a couple of decent uh, sort of low-level trades, like maybe one or two. But all in all, the the more low-level signings and trades have been absolute disasters from the Mm -hmm. Lakers. And I don't even have to rail them off. I know you guys are all thinking of, like, (laughs) three or four or five. They're just going through your head, like, end credits right now. And... I definitely think we have to wait and see. We don't have magic making decisions anymore, so maybe they'll be better. But Rob Polinka was also involved in making those decisions, and he is still around. And from what we've seen, the co- as the coaching thing was a disaster, we've seen that. And I, I just don't know. That's a risk. I think that's a risk. But I also think that we've seen LeBron get really badly injured last year, and I'm not saying that's going to happen again, but now you have to think there's a risk. And that, that of LeBron staying healthy, and you also have to think there's a risk in the young guys staying healthy if we keep them. Yeah, you're right. I mean, they haven't shown they can play a full 82 games yet. And and you, I mean, other than, I, I think who's more so has shown a little bit more durability than, than uh, Ingram yeah. and and, uh, and Lonzo, but you're, you're right. I, I do think those guys are like, Kuz is what he is. I mean, he's a guy who on, on, a, on a championship level team, to me, is probably a guy who scores 14, 15 a game. On a team who is a, a six, seven, eight seed, he can put in eighteen, nineteen. On a on a no good team, on a team who's winning twenty five games, he'll put in thirty a game. Literally but, forty. Yeah. Literally forty to sixty points a game. Yeah, because he'll just chuck. <laughs> if it was on the Suns, he would be Devin Booker. <laughs> he would. Yeah, like. yeah, yeah. You nailed it. That's 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 a perfect comparison for him, right? That's exactly who he would be. So to me, he has the least upside. But I I do think that if Lonzo is able to be healthy this offseason, fully trained, put in a you know a complete summer to get ready. I do believe that he can be that third guy needed if they get another superstar. And, and I think you're going to also run into the issue of why Kawhi is probably a better fit than Kyrie, not to say that the, the, mm-hmm. the chances interchange, is Kyrie needs the ball in his hands to create, and so does Lonzo. Because Lonzo, you can't just say offensively, like, hey, Lonzo, go stand in the corner and, and we'll get you some open threes. He is at his best when he has the ball in his hands, he's creating, and he's able to make you know passes and read the defense and, and be able to do that. I would argue that Kawhi is also better off that way, but he has enough development in off-ball movement and spot, especially spot-up threes. That's a huge and transition. 
Kawhi and Lonzo in transition would just be like chef's kiss. Like, it it would be stunning. And then Kawhi and LeBron in the pick and roll with, I mean, Kawhi doesn't usually set picks. Like, he for that, he doesn't usually do that. Uh, He's usually the ball handler. But I think maybe with him and LeBron, you could have like a sort of interchangeable like pick and roll, uh, like duo there. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be absolutely stunning. Um, but he, the majority of his offensive plays are in the pick and roll and in a, like isolation, like either in the post or on the perimeter. And he also needs he he has a lot of similarities with Brandon Ingram and in the way that they like to operate. A lot of like uh, elbow mid range jumpers. Um, that's where he, that's his, one of his favorite spots. We've all seen that happen and he loves like a good baseline fadeaway that's more of a LeBron thing but he actually does do a lot of isolation plays and I think that's probably a product of his team makeup in Toronto and like how much he has to carry the team and I think it would be kind of fun for him to be on a LeBron team where he could you know work on his not work on but like reintroduce cutting and spot ups and his transition play into his arsenal again and not be so like ball in his hands offensively and do- yeah dominating the play and you're right I-, I think that the toronto the way he plays is i mean he is exponentially better than than uh than ingram right now in terms of o- yeah. offensively <laughs> but you're right i mean they play a similar they play a similar game which is get to a mid-range, and it's old-school NBA style. They play a lot of ISO uh, and try and go at the guy one-on-one. So, uh, man, they have to nail something with the free agency, though. I mean, we can both agree on that. They have to bring in something because if you you come in next next season like LeBron James, uh, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, whoever they draft fourth, and Frank Vogel, people are... That's not going to move the needle too much. It's really not, and I think... This is where, and everybody's been saying it, it comes down to LeBron James and his ability to recruit. And I think that he has, for whatever people like Bill Simmons, love you, Bill, but this your opinion is wrong on this. For whatever people like that say, I think that LeBron has one of the best cases, like one of the best pitches for free agents in the league, just based on his resume and like what he can offer on the court, off the court, wherever in the world, like literally anywhere he can offer you some excellent things. And he is going to be going deep into his, uh, into his bag here to get someone to come to the Lakers. And honestly, I think it's going to work. Okay. Well, I'm holding you to this. I'm going to hold your feet to the fire. Come, come July 1st. I want I want to see them sign someone. And if they don't want to be like, you see, Sasha, the Baroness of Lakers basketball <laughs> did not did not get this right. Okay, <laughs> I get everything correct. I've been I've just been speaking Katie to the Lakers into existence, but Kawhi's probably my top pick. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna see what happens with that. We're gonna we're gonna wrap up this <laughs> podcast on this since we're both Game of Thrones fan. This is the final episode coming up on Sunday. We're going to do a little word association. I'm going to ask you one character from Game of Thrones, and you have to tell me who, either in the Lakers organization or in their roster, is the most similar to that character. Deal? Okay. Okay. All right. We'll start off with something real easy. 
Okay. We will go with Arya Stark. This is easy. Arya Stark. Interesting. Uh, I, I, Lonzo keeps popping into my head. I feel mm. like he... I, I think I just hope that this offseason is like his time in Bravos, where he's like training to become a killer and then he comes back because he has his first full offseason right now. Mm-hmm. Very excited. He's going to go to Bravos. He's going to go crazy and go, he's going to learn all his stuff that he needs to learn for next season. He's going to come back and he's just going to be a, a freaking killer. Well, the good news would be that hopefully the faceless man training him is not go- going to be LeVar Ball. Okay, so we're, we'll be okay on that one. <laughs> All right, number two. Let's go with Jon Snow. Jon Snow. I mean, this is LeBron. This is LeBron. He's trying to get everybody together. He's carrying the team. I think he is a little bit been brooding this year. He brooded a little bit. That's very Jon-esque. But I think he's going to pull it together like Jon did and and reawaken, come alive again, and rise from the ashes. Wow, that was deep. I was actually picturing LeBron in like with long claws sitting there like getting ready to go now. Okay, you got me motivated. Now. Got, and recruiting. He's going to recruit people to our cause. He's yep. going to get our free agent, Danny, who has the dragons, a.k.a. Kawhi. <laughs> and he's going to... He's going to, we're going to unite with the wildlings. That'll be our, like, maybe lesser free agents that we get. It's going to be amazing. Okay, last last one for you. Khaleesi, Daenerys. Daenerys. I mean, in, in we're going to, like, separate the Le- this from the LeBron uh, classification. But I think right now we've talked about this. We've all been talking about this. It's Jeannie Buss. She's been our mother of dragons from like day one and now we're starting to be like oh maybe you're like not as um like great as we thought you were maybe we're gonna have to like watch you like torch an entire city of innocence like, like are we the innocents the yeah we are we're the lakers, lakers <laughs> people that she's been torching that what she did last week that's exactly what she did when she came in she bought in all her badass uh, dragons and her, and her three dragons were Kurt and Linda Rambis. And, uh, badass. And, yeah, well, not badass. Just, they, they leave a path of destruction wherever they go, as you can tell by a 32-132 and coaching record, Mr. Rambis. And then she, the worst part is she went to Phil Jackson, really, for, for advice. Like, Phil Jackson, amazing coach, no doubt. As an executive, did you see what he did with, to the Knicks? Hey, Jeannie, I know you all used to kick it together. I know you had a relationship, but come on, leave that in the past, okay? Yeah, uh, I would, I I just don't really want, what I think is going to happen in the next episode is that she's, Danny is probably going to die somehow, so I don't want that, I don't want like a genie bus list world with all the drag, like with Drogon still bopping around, <laughs> aka Rob Palenka, yeah. I would prefer there to be a Danny world or like a genie full world minus Rob Palenka. I think she just needs to have like an awakening sort of, of like that the people that she's, because what she is trying to avoid theoretically is like a power grab from someone, right? Mm-hmm. And she's just trying to like surround herself with people that she trusts. 
And I think she may need to consider the possibility that the people she surrounded herself with are there to gain her trust so that they can have more power. Wow, that was deep. You know who's going to write the next this, the next Game of Thrones book is going to be Sasha. That was that was good. We should <laughs> a comparative one with the Lakers. You're going to be the new George R.R. R. Martin, right? I'll literally write all of the rest of it in the time that he writes one chapter. <laughs> yeah, seriously, hurry up, George R.R. R. Wrap it up. And you know what? I, I do blame him for the fact that they're going a little bit fast this season, but I am looking forward to the finale for sure. Yeah, me too. And I'm just enjoying this. I'm just enjoying it while we have it. I get that it's not happening exactly the way that everyone wants it to, but... I think it's probably, it's a TV show. I'm enjoying it, and I'm taking it as an alternate ending to the books, which I hope I get the real ending for. Well, you know what? We'll, we'll use that with the same thing with the Lakers. You know what? It's just a sport. Enjoy it. Don't get too emotionally invested and have fun with it and be entertained, right? Yeah, and it's still basketball. Like, that's the thing. Next season, we're still going to get to watch basketball, and it's still going to be LeBron, and that's friggin' awesome. Yeah, and that, that beats watching guys like Chris Mim running around the court in Smush Parker. So, you know what? <laughs> yeah, Who <laughs> <laughs> Alright, Sasha, we'll wrap it up with there. That, this was fun. We, we had a good yeah. time doing it. Always fun to have a crossover. I uh, appreciate you taking the time out yeah, to come love on that. Thank you. It was really fun talking to you for literally the first time ever. Yeah, and then people are going to make fun of us because we know nothing about basketball. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have no mentions. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not... Nobody knows me enough to like get mad at me yet, so I'm still in the sweet spot. Oh, keep going. They'll, they'll find you. <laughs> <laughs> I have no doubt that they will. All right. That is, that is Sasha Shaw. You can follow her on Twitter at Sasha, A-S-H-A-L-L. Don't forget to check us out as well. We're at Lakers SBN. And subscribe to our podcast network. You can check us out on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, you name it, we are there. And of course, SilverScreenAndRoll.com, your hub for all things Lakers. That does it for this episode. We'll talk to you all next time.